one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Adela Marcian Plugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcian. Today, I have the goddamn good pleasure of having someone I met only last week who is who uh, was one of the first mentors to my business partner, Shiv Shetty, who has also been on the show. So go check out that episode. The one, the only John McIntyre. Now, if you guys don't know who this guy is, you will damn right know who he is by the end of this episode. And more importantly, you'll probably fall in love with him just as, you know, anyone that talks to him. He's a pretty cool dude. He's really switched on. And more importantly, he's a barrel of laughs. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, mate. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Of course, mate. Of course. I've not mentioned any of your results yet because I kind of want people to go find that out. When I found out about you, I was like, damn, how did I not know this guy? <laughs> it was genuinely one of those moments where I think we both have that with each other. But the more I've looked at your stuff, the more I'm like, yeah, how did we not cross paths already? <laughs> um, yeah. But guys, before we get started, please go check out dropdeadcopy.com. Sign up to uh, John's mailing list, if you, especially if you're into copywriting and email marketing and want to know how to attract clients, build up yourself and essentially build up your career. Go Just go to dropdeadcopy.com, figure that stuff out because he will actually make it a lot easier for you. And again, like I said, Shiv Shetty, who is my business partner, literally is one of his best students as well, but not just the only one. There are a multitude of incredible people given given him testimonials and of course, worked with them over the time. So go check him out. Oh, Matthew Pollard is another one. He's another guest of the show that John worked oh, with. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, had no idea. Small world, man. Right, I yeah. saw that on your homepage. It's like, yeah, Matt, Matt's been on the show. I should totally mention that. So uh, that should give you guys a whole context of like the depth of this dude's freaking ridiculousness of how well he is and how good he is. And of course, this is me saying it. So, you know, it's like on a, on a whole nother level. I'm going to shut my mouth right now. John, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy actually at the moment. Just happy with life. I'm so glad to hear, man. That's that's such a change of pace compared to like a few other people that I've been like uh, not speaking to on the show, but just on my personal, my own personal day to day. With like life's good, but there's some other stuff. And you're the first person I've had in a while go. I'm actually happy. So my first question to you is, what's making you happy? Mate, there's a lot of things to be honest. I don't know. Uh, we can go in a lot of different directions. Run with it. Um, I mean, there's there's things with. Uh, psychedelics microdosing oh did you uh, go mushrooms one, or lsd one, uh mushrooms at the moment with microdosing um just on the dl i haven't actually talked about this too much publicly but i feel everyone's talking about it anyway so i yeah. don't feel like it's that out there yeah but I um say, i was gonna ask what your stack is for that because um just a side note for everyone like january 2020 i was facing i had insane burnout and actually microdosing was the thing that brought me back into like a level headedness uh, yeah, I've been just doing uh, the Paul Stamets stack. So you, you take it with uh, lion's mane mushrooms mm-hmm. and um, nice and yeah, yeah. Nice and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's same stack. Yeah, yeah. Stamets yeah, is mad. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's amazing how um, what I feel is it's like it's tuning up my brain somehow. You know, it's 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 my my you know it's like a little little, little mechanic inside my brain going in there and like rerouting different thought patterns and you know, I'm still me. I'm still very much me. I'm not tripping at all, but uh, everything's just running. It's getting souped up a little bit. Someone's putting a turbocharger in. We're putting a few extra cylinders in the car. The oil's getting changed. That's kind of how I've been describing it to people. 
Uh, that's the best description. I mean, uh, just to go back to what I was saying, like on that sense, that's perfectly exactly what happened with me in my burnout. When I was microdosing, it was essentially giving me a tune-up to get me back to normality to some form of it. My question, uh, so the thought I have for you is, how did you come across that? And what was it that made you take the leap? Because uh, I know some people really, that, that like I was hardcore opposed to all of this. And then when I did the research, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Well, um I'm just thinking about because I, 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 I've gradually been. Um, I'm throwing him like cat balls, by the way. So like no one, yeah, no, no, no one's no, expecting this. No, no, it's a totally, totally. So, um, I mean, when I was 18, I'm 31 now. When I was 18, I got in. You know, I was partying, so I did the ordinary stuff: alcohol, smoke cigarettes. You know, all kinds of stuff. Really, um, it was wanted to be a rock star at that stage, and uh, it was it was very you know whole sex, drugs, rock and roll thing. It was mainly drugs and a bit of sex and, and occasional rock and roll but it was more about the partying i think for a while and so i obviously sort of started to explore different i think i, I don't know if i had mushrooms back at that stage but i, I definitely tried lsd when i was around 18, 18 19 but it was very much a social thing let's just get wild let's get fucked up that kind of vibe not mm -hmm. particularly healthy or um wholesome you could say yeah uh, and then you know 21 to around that time i was like i can't do this for the i kind of want to do this for the rest of my life even for the next few years i don't want to be that guy who's washed up and he's you know he's just a mess when he's 30 years old that's not me so that was when i got serious about business moved overseas a whole bunch of stuff happened and then 2016 seven it was in 20, 2017 i was in thailand uh, living in thailand I started dating this woman uh, and she was very, uh, she wanted to try, she was curious about, she'd heard about psychedelics. Uh, so we started to, you know, explore them together again. And, and I came at it at that point through a very, very different lens where it was, it's, it's just been, a, been an exploration since then. So four or yeah, probably four years now uh, of dude, all kinds of stuff. I mean, all the stuff people are talking about, ayahuasca, mushrooms. Um, I've That's tried most of it. I was going to say, that's really interesting because that's when I actually had my thing because uh, I, I think we used to have, I, I'm not that much, we're not that different in age because like my birthday's in September. I don't remember when yours is though. Because like, uh, I turned, yeah, so I think you're three weeks older than I am because I turned 32 on September 30th. There you go. Yeah, yeah so li li literally three weeks older than me, um, <clears throat> which is freaking awesome because I did not know that. <laughs> that's just like yeah, revelations. Yeah, but fun. anyway. Um, around, that same, around that same time, because we would have gone through the same thing at 28, because that's when I went through mine was uh, I was 28, went through like a reboot process. And I think it was like a month after I like figured my internal system out a little bit more that I was with a friend. I was like, all right, I've looked at doing like uh, getting baked and marijuana for a while. I'm not really sure how it's going to affect me with mental health and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, just something screamed at me going, just go do it, see what happens. So I remember like the first time I got baked, I was like high for a week. That was the weirdest part. Like the first time I got baked, I didn't come back down for like seven days. I remember going to jujitsu like three days later and still going, dude, I still can't feel my hands normally. And he was like, what? I was like, just gripping your, like gripping your gi feels so weird. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. one of my friends said that he gets high all the time. So we're having this back and forth. And um, the one thing I actually did say to myself was like, I kind of want to set a time limit on what it is because I didn't want to be that guy that, you know, as you said, gets messed up, gets fucked up just for the sake of it. Because to me, it looked like it, it's a medicine. Like all these things, like everything that you use, as long as you use it in moderation, know what you're doing, it's a medicine, especially psychedelics, because you are going through some really deep, dark territories if you're on uh, what you call the bad trip, which is just basically revealing stuff to you that you don't want to see. Um, 
but yeah, no, I did DMT at the end of 2020. So like literally yeah. New Year's Eve, that's how I actually got, like I finished my year with DMT. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Like what, what have been some yeah. of the lessons that you've picked up from that though? Cause like I found vulnerability was one of the craziest things that came to me. Um, what's one of the biggest, dude, I think the biggest thing, and it's, it's kind of started sending me down this whole new path in my life, uh, which I mentioned the nervous system stuff yeah. before we hit record here, but it's kind of, um, I've been fascinated by like personal growth healing. I've been meditating since I was 18 uh, on and off, but I'd say more often than not meditating every day. Um, and you know, it's around when I, 2016, when I started 2017, I started getting getting back into, into plant medicine, psychedelics, obviously brought a lot of sort of what I'd learned from spirituality into that and then had various spiritual experiences and awakenings and all the normal stuff. I think most people tend to have if they keep, if they go pretty deep with it. But um, so over that time, I've kind of been this and I'm realizing this about myself. I've always had this kind of, in a way, it's like an obsession with like trying to find better tools for working with myself. Because I, I, I've even just in the meditation, I started having these wild experiences with psychedelics. Um, and was just like, there is some magic here and most people have no idea. And now I've just got to figure out what it is. I've got to like get this more and just learn more about it and figure it out. So I've kind of, that just to set some context. And so I've just been constantly looking, I suppose, for better and better and better tools, ways of working with myself, with my own, um, you could say baggage or issues. Cause we all have this stuff that we carry from this childhood. There's, I mean, we can get into some of the details here. We can get traumatized. We can start carrying bullshit from being in our mom's belly before we're even born yep. um, due to the way our system holds stress, our nervous system. So then you come and then you have all the different things that happen throughout life, bullying, bad teachers, society, programming for movies, music, everything. Yep. And so we're all carrying this shit. And so I'm looking for better ways to, to deal with it, to release it, to let it go. And so meditation is one way that it can actually be abused. I think a lot of people are abusing it, which we could get into, yep. but um where but the biggest lesson to bring it back to the question is um it was actually why it was an ayahuasca trip which which is probably the best way to sort of sum this all up right so it wasn't the first time i'd done ayahuasca but i i booked it in and usually when you book these things in and you pay it's usually when you pay for it you make some kind of like energetic commitment to it right money is energy it's you know something you yeah. generated through your energy through your labor so once you commit to it and you demonstrate that it's weird, man. You start to get like things start to like happen and you things start to come up. And so anyway, I'm at the movies in Thailand with my girlfriend at the time. We're seeing the Lion King. Okay. The remake. Yeah. And you've seen the Lion King, right? I walked out of the movie twice. So I wasn't a fan of, it, of the remake. So I was just right, 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 right. Okay. But well, I've seen it. I've but seen you, it, you saw the original? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I love the so movie. basically what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So Sim, Simba has the whole issue. His dad dies, whatever. And then Simba runs away with uh, Timon and Pumbaa and ends up, you know, in some faraway land. And he's having a blast, but he's not obviously happy and fulfilled. Eventually, I think he's uh, Nala, the, the, his yep. you know, sort of girlfriend or girl, lady crush, comes to try and get him to come back. He says no. She goes back home. And then I think, it, so I think the monkey shows up and then like starts shaking the thing. And then Simba starts following the monkey. And then Simba ends up at a lake. And he's staring and he goes and looks into the lake where he sees his, uh, his dad appears in the clouds above him. And his dad gives some, you know, very wise speech, of course. But the four words that got to me were, uh, remember who you are. And I, I heard that. And I'm not, so I'm not usually, I have one, well, I'm a lot more now, but I haven't been up until that point in my life. I wasn't quite, I wasn't a very emotional person. I wouldn't be able to tell you before a few years ago, hadn't cried in decades. <laughs> and uh, I heard that line in this movie. And I, I just started crying and I was crying for the rest of the movie that, that it got to me. It, it brought something up connected with this thing where it's like, I 
have uh, disconnected or lost lost myself without even knowing I'd lost myself kind of a thing. And that was the theme. Oh no. So like I've got, I, so, okay. For everyone in context, cause again, this is just all, all audio. I might release the video at some point, but what you guys can't see and what you guys don't know is I have the biggest fucking grin on my face right now because John, John and I do have, we've known each other about seven days. That's the length of time we've yeah. known each other. Right. Everything you're saying is so freaking parallel to what, what happened to me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, wow. Including that same wow. scene. So Dude, just to jump in to give you a context on this. So when I did DMT, ever since, um, so again, like you, very spiritual, grew up, kind of had the whole thing with like a lot of stuff. And by the way, there are some stuff with like, from the time you're six months, your mother's six months pregnant with you, by the way, uh, you have is. So everything in your environment shapes who you are and you make decisions from that age. And it's very hard to undo those decisions if you're unaware of them. Uh, two of them, the three of them for me actually really came up um, in October. I went through and just uh, did, and we'll discuss that later. But what I'm getting at here was, so when I got back into spirituality, started meditating and stuff like that, I went through this process with a company at the time that was called Natural Success uh, about going to what is known the land of the land of plenty, going to your innocence, and essentially becoming more empathic in who you are, um, which is cool. But while I was meditating the first time there, I saw a lion. Specifically, I saw a lion, like the spirit of a human screaming and a lion's energy overtaking them. Now, for the people like don't know, I'm from Tanzania. I was born there. I am a Tanzanian native. I be- trust me, like my entire family are like, holy crap. No, of course we are. Lions are like our people. Lions are a thing in that land. That's where the Serengeti is basically based there. And that's where the Lion King is. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So I'm like, okay, see this line, whatever. You're not being yourself. You're not being this leader. Leave it, whatever it is. Start getting baked. Start get, like, you know, use marijuana as like a, uh, not as a crutch, but as a healing tool. Start seeing lions. Okay. Cause I'm very sensitive to it that to the point that if I, it doesn't take that much to get me over. And when I'm over, I can actually go to the point of like complete trips to other dimensions in my own head. Now, not saying other dimensions the way that other people think. It's just like my brain takes over and takes me somewhere else. And I end up drawing a bunch, um, which is fun. See the lion there, drew him out. Okay, did mushrooms. Freaking see the lion there. I was like, crap, what's going on? LSD, see the freaking lion. And all this time I'm like, these are all psychedelics going about the lion, blah, 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 whatever. I'm just seeing this in my periphery, whatever. Point that really hits me. DMT, 31st December, 2020. I hit DMT. I hit onto the other side. What do I see? I see the neon line that I've drawn called Leon, and I will show you what it looks like, John, because uh, it's on my phone. So I draw this line out on my iPad like six or seven months ago, and that's pretty cool. I'm on, uh, I'm on DMT, and it's literally, I'm looking at the universe on one side, and I can see this cosmic line. Like, think about what Mufasa looks like from that movie, but like draw just like a multicolored neon outline of him, no actual intel, just an outline of him. I'm seeing that in the periphery of who I am. Funnily enough, my dad's nickname was the old lion. That was the nickname they had from was he was the old lion. My dad died 15 days after my DMT trip. At his funeral, at his funeral, no one knew this. At his funeral, his friends come up to me and they're like, we're not crying because we've lost the old lion. We miss him, but we've missed him. And we look at you and see the new lion in his place. It was so freaky, just all of that. Of course, I watched The Lion King a couple of weeks later. Hits that, remember who you are. Tears, tears like crazy. I'm like sitting there going, oh my God, what's going on? (laughs) 
that's what I mean. Like it, that, that's crazy when you were telling me that. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, yeah, and that, and that really ties in because I think what you know that led for me in in that in the ceremony I did. It was about a month later or something like that. It was massive, like opening in terms of you know you start to especially if you start to explore like plant medicine and psychedelics. You'll start to oh damn, that looks cool. That's Leon. The, uh, the neon. Yeah, that's Leon. My neon Leon, line. Leon, Leon the neon. Yeah, Leon the neon line. Yeah. Um, but it's like, uh, it seems like, because you mentioned authenticity, right? And so there's this, so there's different like aspects of this, right? Where, you know, we, we're kind of raised in this culture where it's like, you're just a human being, you know, you just sort of, you know, you, you've just, a lot of us think what the ideas in our head, the stories that we have, this, where you define ourselves through uh, words and concepts and symbols. And you start to explore psychedelics and plant medicine. You, you start to have these awarenesses or realizations that you're like it's very hard to define what you are because as soon as you define it you're wrapping it in a word or a concept you're giving it a map and that map is never the map is never the territory so you can't actually describe what you are but you start to have these you know yeah like realizations about who you are and where your place is and how you're intimately connected with every single other thing in the creation um, and yet you're still separate at the same time and then so there's this so you mentioned authenticity and that's where it ties back into the nervous system work because what blocks us from being ourselves is all the baggage, all the shit that we're still carrying from, from throughout our life. It's kind of like there's, there's our pure self, who we were before anything bad or weird happened to us in life. Then there's all the stuff that happened after that. And our work, this is what I see, is my work in life and what I want to help other people do is because that's what I've been on this like obsessed with is how to, like what are the best tools for like getting this shit out of the system so then you can show up so then I can show up as my authentic self which that never made it you know that you know authenticity is a bit of a buzzword but basically yeah. it means like you're not thinking about who you need to be you're not oh, you should i do are. this should i do this? Or, you just are whoever you are whoever the fuck you are in any moment you don't think about it you're not doing shoulds and should nots and that's a fucking scary place to be because a lot of these ideas that we have we have about who we need to be it's all about just making ourselves feel safe because yeah. that's what we did as a child mom and dad don't like me if i don't I don't behave like this or if I say that thing. So I can't be like that. Yeah. And by the way, just to equate authenticity, because it just hit me. And again, this is what I love about talking to other copywriters and other people who are actually in the same headspace. By the way, I have a huge recommendation for you and everyone else uh, to go. There's a guy called Roman Zardansky, who is a really good friend of mine, Roman Zar. Uh, he owns the Wellness Dojo. And essentially one thing he's doing is, you know, you have a lot of breathing techniques like Wim Hof and everything else like that. His whole system, because he's done all of this, he's like, those are all techniques, but what we haven't done is fix the mechanics of your breathing. So what he started to do, he's like the only dude in the world that's like designed a program specifically for fixing breathing mechanics that's being backed by the University of Vegas uh, on breathing, which is like an incredible study, but we'll get into that in a second. What I was going to get at that you really hit on that point about um, authenticity. And I love this because when I started this show eight years ago, everyone was trying to be a guru. And my whole thing was, that's bullshit. I know you guys. You guys are going out saying that, oh, I'm all happy. I don't swear. I was like, bitch, please. I know how much you make me laugh about how stupid your head is. Like, I know all the dumb shit you say that's hilarious. Let's get that on air because I want people to see who you truly are because that's funny. Funny sells because you're hilarious. Stop being serious. Be funny. That's who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, like two years later, everyone's using the word authenticity. He was like, God damn it. But the best, it just hit me. The best uh comparison to the word to the word authenticity if you're a dragon ball fan or a dragon ball z or dragon ball super fan it's hitting this thing called super instinct where essentially you do without thinking 
like your your hand will react without you even telling your hand to react it just naturally reacts that's authenticity in any moment wherever you're at you will just you'll respond and choose based on who you are entirely without putting it through 150 filters of am i doing this is it going to be okay what's going blah 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 blah. do i do i need to do this do i need to do that do i counter the stream do i counter that thing this is like i'm just going to be and allow and trust whoever's around me to be able to handle this for themselves and if they can't that's on them because i'm not too much i'm just me and that that's basically it's just like an automatic response to who you are is the way i see authenticity more so now as it's going yeah yeah. yeah. What's the impulse? Like in this, um, I've gotten into this whole work of, um, I mean, I'm still working out what to call it. I want to build a whole product around it, but there's this whole world of nervous system science, emerging nervous system science of how the nervous system works, how the fight or flight response, uh, the freeze response There's another one called the form response that most people don't know about how all this stuff works. Cause what like the authenticity is they talk about one of the first lessons you learn in some of the stuff I've been doing is follow your impulse. And so yeah. like, we all know how to go to the bathroom. Like we know oh, I need to go, I'm going to go to the bathroom or I'm, I'm a bit hungry. I need to stop. I need to go eat. But those, a lot of us, when we've been through trauma, basically when bad things happen to us, you know, um, it really trauma, trauma is this big like buzzword. It's a bit like loaded. Yeah. Basically it's anything that's too much, too soon. Anything is too much, too soon for, for the person. Any, yeah. any kind of threat, anything that happens in your life that's, that's overwhelming, um, which can be anything from like, yeah, you get raped or you go to war, but it can be as simple as a parent ignores you when you're dancing and want to show them your thing or a bully at school or whatever. So um, this stuff gets, so we have our impulse, like the impulse is the natural authentic impulse to do something, to say something, to dance or to shout, to scream, to do something. But then these things that these patterns that we've learned throughout our life then get in the way of that. And it blocks that because well, I can't actually Gabriel Mate has this great quote about this, right? Where he says, basically, I think this is a really good way of summing it up. When you go to choose between like as a, as a child, as a, as a biological organism, if you have to choose between love and authenticity, you'll always choose love, right? Because as a child, if your parents kind of, you're doing something like you're jumping for joy or something, your parents are like, um, you don't do that or they ignore you or they, or they smack you or something like that. What that says to the, the, the child's like, okay, I can be myself and my parents are going to disconnect from me. Or I can be this I caricature of me. I can be this idea of who I think I should be. And my parents, while it's not authentically me, at least I'll be safe. At least I'll still have food on the table tomorrow. And so it's an unconscious thing. We will always default. If we put in that situation as a child, the, our system will default to love and will shut the authentic self down. And then so you have you go through your entire life like that and you get to 20 and 30 and 40. And this is when people are like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I, you know, this is this is what's happening. They've, they've spent their whole life um, unconsciously. It's not a failure. It's a, it's a survival mechanism. So it's like it'd be something you'd be proud of, really. It's a biological uh, survival mechanism. But that's 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 what's happening. And so it's like learning to like reprogram that. So then you can start then you can tune into who you are and what you actually want to do and why you're here and what your purpose is and all that stuff massive dude that is awesome i definitely like that is incredible by the way the other side of the fight flight fawn and freeze is rest and digest which very few people even get to because like that's when you're like yeah. entire like you drop back down to a really lower part and i've got to introduce you a roman like i don't care what it is i've got to put you two in the same room together because i think it'll be awesome if i can facilitate a podcast with the two of you holy crap that'd be awesome they might that'd have to do fun, that man. i should totally do that if you can get it because he's in the states so there's like a time difference i've got to find a time for everyone to work together on yeah, this yeah we'd have to figure something out there yeah i think someone's gonna make yeah. a sacrifice if i've got to get up at 2 a.m to do that i'll probably do it <laughs> like i've got to be, I think like, be the other way around i think it'd be my evening you'd be like midday and he'd be in the morning 
Yeah. Because that would because you're like six hours or something like that. Wait, what time anyway, is it over there? Figuring that out later. Uh I don't know, four thirty probably. Oh yeah, no, it's like seven thirty in the morning over here. So like like a good 10 hours yeah. between, like nine hours between us. But what I was going to get at was really, really <laughs> so it was re- one of the things I did want to jump into was uh, this idea of over abusing um, tools that are good for you, like meditation, authenticity, and practices yeah. like that. Because what I found is when people go, and you make a valid point, by the way, that's what survival mechanisms really make us. And there's a whole theory that's building around this where um, empathic people aren't just empathic because natural circumstance is because they went through so much trauma as a child, they had to adapt to reading rooms quicker in order to figure out how to survive them. Because it's like, if I don't read this room, I die. Essentially, it was a very highly tuned um, mechanism that's that. But what I was going to get at, it's really interesting when people hit that late stage between like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or even 20s and 30s. And it's a magical thing. And I love them for this. And it makes me giggle because it always, everyone goes through the same process. They hit that point where they get so discovered and like, oh my God, life makes sense. Everything is amazing. Yeah. And then they hit the fall and then they go through the rebirth. We're like, okay, cool. I need to bring that energy back down to a more, I get that was excited with that, but then it knocked me and now I'm going to go back to this place of just being, I'm going to be, be happy and be okay. Cause I don't know about you, but I've met a couple of people that are like, they veer off the deep end of that stuff. And you're like, that's cool. I see where you're going, but. Let's reel you back in just the just the scooch. Um, right. and that. So my question to you is like, what do you see is happening on happening with people that overuse stuff like uh, any kind of medicine, really? So like uh, psychedelics, um, weed is definitely like I always say like marijuana is kind of a weird one because it's it is a plant based. It does help, but also at the same time, it has its own properties and mechanisms of when you use it. And in my opinion, why you should never combine it with tobacco and you should keep it pure to what it is. Um, to meditation, like what do you see that people are overabusing and how they can dial it back or even be aware they're overabusing it? Well, uh, it's probably Loaded helpful question. to step. Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, right? Um, it's probably helpful to step back just a little bit and go to. Um, I lost the screen. Where are we? There we go. Um, so the nervous system. So the way the nervous system works, right, is there is you know at a, at a, when it's when it's everything's safe. Basically, when we feel safe, the nervous system, if a healthy nervous system, is going to be just nice and relaxed. You call it the rest and digest. You're in your parasympathetic. There's a bunch of big words for it. Basically, you could sort of say it's like your baseline, baseline state, no threats present. You're calm. You're relaxed. Then there's some kind of threat that comes in, right? A stressor, which could be a tiger. It could be an angry parent. It could be a boss. It could be any anything. It could also be something on TV that reminds you of that thing your girlfriend or boyfriend said to you five years. Like it doesn't even have to be a threat that's present in the environment right now, but something happens that produces, we would say an activation in your system. So your system is then going to mount some kind of stress response, which is going to start to push you into fight or flight. So whether you're going to try and get angry and fight it off, fight the threat off, yell at the person in front of you, turn the TV off, um, or punch the TV even, or the other way would be to flight would be to leave the room, turn the TV off, run away from the person. So there's going to be some kind of instinctual survival response. But this activation uh, is quite uncomfortable. We try to resolve it. And so we go to what they call in the nervous system language, uh, resources. And re- re- a resource can be anything. Watching porn can be a resource because it distracts you. It's a way to disassociate. If you're really anxious, you know, it sucks if you, if you don't know what to do and you're just feeling really anxious, what do you do with that? You don't want to keep feeling anxious. So one way, instead of resolving the anxiety, which is a sign of, um, you know, it's like a terror or a fear response because you're perceiving a threat somewhere, even if there actually is no threat and it's not resolving. And so one solution is just distract yourself. Go do something, go engage some sensory based experience like porn, coffee, shopping, sex, any of a million different things. And in that, 
you will then basically drown out that anxiety with this other sensation. And they would call this disassociation. You're disconnecting, disassociating from what's actually going on for you, your authentic state of being. And this is, it's another survival mechanism. It's instinctual. A lot of it's automatic. It's unconscious. It's not healthy in the long term. Nope. Um, but so we have all these different things, right? So you've got obvious things that are obviously bad for you, like alcohol, cigarettes, any kind of um, like speed, cocaine, like a heroin would be like a, you know, there's, there's those things are obviously destructive. Yeah. But then you come back to things like, well, the gym uh, working, but you know, we're entrepreneurs, right? There's a lot of people who I think work to drown out their, you know, the voice in their head, to drown out their anxiety, to drown out the unresolved rage that they got in them from their childhood. And so working isn't traditionally typically thought of as a, as a coping mechanism or as a destructive uh, coping mechanism, but or resource. And yet it does work like that for some people. And then you come to meditation and yoga. And so what's interesting about meditation, and I've, I've observed this in myself. Um, so I've, I have personal experience with this where it's like, I will meditate and I will often end up feeling quite peaceful. And so and this is what a lot of people are finding. They sit down, they meditate, they take a deep breath, they do some Wim Hof, they do some breathing stuff and they actually feel their system start to come down. But this is where it gets interesting. In the nervous system uh, language, you've got, you know, there's, there's the sense of calm when you're actually in a good, healthy place of calm, which is this. So, so there's two sort of main aspects to your um, nervous system. The accelerator, the thing that makes you go forward to either run away to attack someone, and then the brake, to use the metaphor from the car. Now, what, where it gets complicated is the brake. There's sort of two parts of that break. There's the break that slows you down so you can have a conversation with a friend, have some coffee, have dinner. You, you call it the rest and digest. Then there's the other break that if you get attacked by a cheetah right before it sticks his um, you know, teeth into your neck, it's going to be really painful. Your system will mount a freeze response. So that's where the brake slams on and you go completely numb and you even go out of body to the point where you can't even feel yourself being eaten alive by this cheetah. And so then we come to meditation and yoga and people dropping in these deep states of relaxation. The question is when people are dropping into that relaxation, are they doing the, are they using the good break or are they using the bad break? Are they dropping into that rest and digest or are they dropping into freeze? Cause if they're dropping into freeze, they're actually disconnecting and disassociating from their experience. They're creating um, you know, a sense of numbness and all of those things. It can feel very peaceful because in that disconnecting, you're no longer feeling the anxiety. You're no longer feeling the anger, the shame, the various feelings. And so what hap happens is that meditation, instead of resolving the issue, instead of letting the charge out, so then you come back to a healthy resting state, it's actually just burying it basically further down in the, in the psyche and the body where you can't feel it. And so, and this is, you know, psychologists have a term for this. It's called spiritual bypassing, which is just using, you know, me, uh, spiritual practices. People do it with plant medicine and psychedelics too, to literally bypass the discomfort. And they would say nervous system dysregulation, the stuff they're carrying in their system. So yeah, dude, it's not, it's not as simple as uh, some people make out. No, God, no. Like this is a whole like lifeline practice that so few people really get. And this is why when someone says to me, oh yeah, like it, it's uh, so I, I have massive respect for people like Wim Hof and Patrick Mew, uh, McEwen. Um, but those are starting points what they're telling you. Oh yeah, do this breathing exercise. Like that's not meant to be all you do. You're supposed to like really look at it, go in deep. And it's interesting you say about uh, we're going to freeze response um, when we're in meditation, because as soon as you said that, my brain went, well, yeah, no shit. Your brain gets flooded with dopamine. It makes you feel good. That's why it like suppresses everything. That's just another form of escape. Um, and I get that with jujitsu. Like I, I am the worst. My, my coaches for the last five years have all taught me the same thing. Be more aggressive. Be more aggressive. 
stop playing on your back stop messing around adult just like be more aggressive and i'm sat there like i want to chill out like i'm really meditative in this state it's only like the last six or seven months i've really kind of shifted that out of my system and gone you can be meditative in that relaxed state but still flowing and moving don't be stationary that's all it is as soon as you said that you're going into that freeze response i was like yeah, I go into that freeze response without knowing about it. That's that's just really 100% me right there. Curiously, what I'm, what's really interesting for me is the more that I've delved into that world, the better my ability to write, respond, and communicate with people has become. And as a copywriter, like, again, we saw last week when we spoke, that's not an ability I lack, just as you don't lack that ability. But when you put this stuff on top of it, it just turns that gear up to an 11. Like, it is insane. So what have you found that has helped you with your, with your practices that have affected your writing, but also what would you recommend to copywriters that are coming up right now that, are, well, let's be honest, when you're coming up and most times you're stressed out, you're going through constant burnouts of highs and lows of clients' expectations of everything else. And you're beating yourself up on one side and wondering whether or not you're good on the other. And of course, all of this is really, really like up here crap. And this is a very long-winded way to say, what advice do you give to other writers and other people they can start using to implement the tools that we just spoke about? Well, for, I mean, for me, the missing piece, because I've, you know, like obviously meditated a lot. I've, I've explored plant medicine, psychedelics. I've read all kinds of different self-help and spiritual books and the power of now and all the standard stuff people recommend. And um, look, a lot of it's great, but the missing piece that changed everything for me was learning about the nervous system and learning about how the stress response how, how the body manages stress, why we get stressed, how that fight, flight, freeze and the form response, how all that comes together, learn about the vagus nerve, learn about parasympathetic and sympathetic, like learn about how all these things get the theory of the nervous system. And there's a bunch of different exercises, uh, which you can, you know, we can even go through, through some here, but there's different things you can do then. Because basically there's a few things to probably talk about. So when, like, let's say you're, um, like as a kid, let's say you're five years old, two years old, three years old, and you're really fucking angry one day because I don't know, someone stole your teddy bear and you're raging and raging. And but mom or dad tells you to shut up or they smack you or they basically show you that it's not okay for you to be, it's not safe for you to be angry. And then so for you to keep yourself safe, you will then instinctually bottle that anger in because if you let it out, you're going to get in trouble. So you yep. bottle it in. Now, as you bottle that in, that's basically, they would call that um, life force energy, or it's like, there's obviously powerful energy in that rage. That's things make you stomp around and scream and everything. Now, when that, when you hold that in, that becomes essentially frozen, which is to say that, let's say you have a hundred units of potential energy available in your system at any one time. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you froze that rage up. You just lost 10 units of capacity to aggressively, to be aggressive in the world. And so the next time when you're 20, 30, 40, and you've got some resistance and you're doubting yourself and you feel in that imposter syndrome when you're trying to write some sales letter or whatever it is, if you hadn't frozen that rage up when you were five years old, that would actually be the power you need to power through that resistance. Uh, but because of what happened, it's now stuck. It's now held somewhere in the body. And until that's released, you don't get access to that um, that energy it's a bit like how you know if you're the energy or total energy in your body at any one time is an ocean and you've gone through life and you've been bottling all these different things up and most of us have and especially in the western society most of us have it's kind of like you've it's all frozen it's all frozen in the ice caps of your body and you can't access that energy you can't access that water to go and move forward in your life and this is why when people have been through all these things and um, severely dramatized people they have a lot of trouble moving forward in their life they have a lot of trouble making things happen and so the good news is that if you learn about this stuff, 
and you know like and, and you learn how to basically it's like um like you can use meditation to manage your symptoms you can use yoga you can use weed you can use all these different things to manage your symptoms and get by you can function in your life but if you want to actually move forward and resolve this you have to get that stuff out you have to go down to the root in little different spots in the body and there's different all kinds of exercises and practices for doing this but you have to literally get it out of the system and unfreeze that and then you get access to the energy and then you can move forward it's gonna yeah it makes you better to me it just makes you better at everything you become more yourself you 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 become stronger more resilient um better with stress you can work more more capacity it's Dude, it's everything. Everything everyone's looking for is in this. But yes. the catch is that this means, like, this isn't easy work. This this means facing all the stuff in you that you've been avoiding your entire life. And it's not all going to happen in one day. So it's like, you know, we will do it slowly and bit by bit. But this means facing every single one of your demons. And so it's not for everyone. But if you've got the balls for it, if you've got the courage, fucking do it. Here's what's really interesting. So this quote that I'm going to give you right now, this lyric has come up for me nearly every time I've been on the phone call with anyone in the last two weeks. I'm going to tell you everyone what it is. But what you're saying is absolutely 1,000% correct. Guys, I've got a great show and a great guest for you guys to go listen to as well. And uh, just throwing this idea out there, I think what I'm going to have to do is get you and all my other friends that are like this or in the same industry and be like, right, let's create something that helps these mofos because it's brilliant. Uh, my friend, yeah. Linus Relander, I don't know if you know Linus, he's a great copywriter himself, uh, but he's a huge DJ out in uh, Thailand now. Like crazy thing, last mm. two years, he's just become like this huge DJ in Thailand. He's like killing it, which is brilliant. Uh, but he's actually developed a tra- de- developing a training around the Sedona method because his way of putting it was very similar to you said about these stuck areas of energy, because what you're essentially doing is imagine your energy was 100, 10% of your energy is back there at that memory, kind of like managing it still. So it's, it can't be pulled elsewhere. Cause like, Hey, I just got to still remember and manage this one thing. The moment you let that go, that energy comes back to you and you can use it elsewhere. And John Carlton of all people taught me this, which was get a massage every week if you can, because he, like, this is back in the eighties, nineties, you were saying this, but if you look at it now today in 2021, getting a massage is physically releasing emotional points of tension on your body. Uh, there's a great woman, there's a great Aussie that actually wrote a really good book called The Secret Language of the Body. Uh, Ines Gallon, if you know, know her, great book on like what your body's actually doing uh, and how it's emotionally connected because huge nerds, of course, very much into stuff like this. Um, the lyric that really came to me that is coming up, I actually showed, because um, I've realized most copywriters are fans of good lyrics versus just music. Like the beats are good, but if the lyrics are good, we're like, eh, we'll pay attention. Uh, so this rapper called Dax, I'm going to find where, uh, where it comes up. And it's the song uh, Gotham. Um, and it's on verse two. Because it's basically like, nobody's from here, but everybody comes here. Wanting to be famous till they realize the price of fame brings close that ev- the sorry, brings close everything that they once feared and that is true with everything the moment you go for anything your gotham is whatever you want you want it to be but you got to bring that fear close to you to get over it you got to like not confront but make peace with in my opinion like you got to make peace and let go of that and through letting go through breathing through different methodologies through everything you can kind of find a harmonization within self um Holy crap, this is like kind of like, I did not expect you to be going down this path today, but it's a fun one. Um, he's a, 
Here's an interesting thing, right? Counterintuitive thing that's that yep. I, I think is interesting. I think most people will enjoy this. Is the standard approach? If you're stressed, take a deep breath. That's what people say. That's the standard advice. Hey, take take a few deep breaths. You'll be okay. And when this nervous system work, if you take it, if you're feeling stressed, something's coming up, some kind of activation, and you take a deep breath, that might not actually be what your system needs. That might, in fact, be pushing it back down. And so this is what I mean about the Western model doesn't, not all of them, but the, the mainstream model anyway, and the mainstream advice isn't always very good advice. And so you're taking a deep breath in the middle of a stressful moment could actually be meaning you're carrying that. So the next time it happens, it's even worse. Yeah. You're not healing it. You're not healing it. You're not letting it. Wow. That is, that is something I never actually thought of in that way. So, wow. Yeah. So sitting with it is always actually helpful. But then, so this is this is where it gets even twisted, right? So, uh, yeah. and this is why I love the nervous system model because there's so much sophistication and nuance to it. But another thing in like meditation, if you're doing mindfulness, you might say, okay, if you find a chart, they would call it a samskara. But if there's a spot in your body that starts, you know, you start to feel some sensation, put your awareness on it and do, you know, just breathe and focus on it and focus on it and just sit with it, sit with it, sit with it. And the idea is that if you do that enough, eventually it'll release, like you're massaging it with your awareness, like it's a knot in the body. Now that may or may, or may work if someone in the nervous system world, they would call that capacity. If your system, basically it's like your, your system's a house and you've got a certain amount of electrical wiring, you can handle a certain amount of electrical charge to go through it. So if someone has a large capacity, large electrical wiring in their body because they're already well-regulated in their nervous system, that may very well work for them. But the average person in Western society doesn't have that kind of capacity in the system because Western society is kind of, kind of messed up. So yep. if you start focusing on that spot, as you put your awareness on it, that's going to start to bring the charge up. But what they would, um, if too much of that charge comes up too quickly, it's like sending too much electricity through an electrical system and the fuse is going to blow. And when that happens, the whole system's then going to disassociate again and shut down to protect itself. And so in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the somatic work, in the nervous system work, they would say, first of all, one concept to, to understand is titration. So do you know what titration is? Probably not by definition of word, but explain it to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but, yeah, so it's concepts from chemistry where if you're mixing two different chemicals, you go one drop at a time. Because if you do, you know, just get a glass of two different things and put them together, you might blow the whole town up, yeah. right? So you go one drop at a time. And that's the idea with uh, titration. We, we do that with the nervous system work. So instead of focusing on that one spot for an hour while you meditate, it's you, you really learn to... Let's do a little bit. And then as soon as it starts to feel any kind of activation, stop, just pause. Don't, and don't take a deep breath. Just notice, notice what's there, right? So what you're doing is titrating it. So it's like taking a little bit and then coming straight back out of it. Gotcha. And that leads to another uh, really core concept from it is pendulation. So often, and this is what I mean when I say meditation just isn't, I think it's just not, it's nowhere near as sophisticated as what's coming out of this whole nervous system science, but you pendulation is when you go into the sensation. So you might focus on it. Let's say it's in my solar plexus because I, well, I had some rage come up about a month ago, which is a good story, but so it's in my solar plexus and to pendulate would be to focus on it, to feel it there, which would feel like a, a, a tenseness or a heaviness or a, might feel like a cramp or something. So I focus on it. And then if I, once I feel my system, like it's getting too much, go focus on my big toe somewhere else where it feels completely okay, completely safe. And there's something about when you move your awareness from a, an uncomfortable sensation, like think about your anxiety. Let's say a lot of people are anxious these days. So let's say you're anxious. How do you know you're anxious? Because aside from the thoughts, where do you feel it in your body? It's usually going to be your stomach. Focus on that. Really try and notice what exactly does that anxiety feel like, but only do it for a little bit, a few seconds, a minute. See, see what um, depends on what you can handle. You got to trust your own body and then go 
you know, focus on your nose, focus on your toe, focus on something else in your body where it feels totally okay, where it's not anxious at all. Because the stomach might feel anxious, but your hand might not or your big toe. And then you can do that for a bit and then you come back into it and then back out. And there's something about going in and out of it that helps the nervous system come into what they would call regulation. Yeah, that is, wow, that is incredible. Because that actually does, that, that completely checks out. And again, like not to shit on meditation because that's not what we're doing here because meditation is helpful, but look at it as, an, as a uh, totalitarian system, as, in, as a whole. Like look at it as every tool that you've got is just another tool in the toolbox and knowing how to use that tool is better than not at all. But pendulation is actually very interesting as a way of actually doing so because that's something that... Um, that's something I've actually been always told by my teachers is go into the feeling until it feels too much and then walk away and come back later. And we have it with like with Muay Thai. It's like work on a combo, walk away, work on a different combo and come back to that original one. And you'll see that your body starts to adapt to that original thing. But if you spent all your time just working on that one combo, you've completely like negated what your body can do elsewhere. So essentially it's just like letting yourself like expand out who you are. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit like, I mean, the metaphor, the, the parallel with copywriting is interesting. And I only just thought of this, but, but um, you know, if you're trying to, you know, come up with some good ideas, it's like, go hammer yourself with the research, go spend, you know, like sort of don't burn out, but like push yourself, sort of wear yourself out a little bit, focusing on this new idea and then go take a shower or go for a walk and go forget about it for a few days. And it's in that going on and then off that the way your best ideas are going to come. And so it's yes. a bit like that. Yep. It's the reason why we don't edit the first day we finish our copy. That's why we walk away from it for about 24 to 48 hours and then come back because our brain has had time to marinate in it. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's one of the same reasons that any client that works with me on diagnosis or anything else that we do for consulting, I tell them like, oh yeah, can I, uh, so we booked in our, our first course. I've got everything I need to know from them. And I've had clients go, oh yeah, so I can book tomorrow now. I'm like, no. Like, well, I was like, I haven't marinated the ideas of who you are yet. I need about seven to 10 days to do so. Where I'm not thinking about you. Then when I come back to you, it's all fresh, top of mind, ready to go. Mm. Um, another thing that's quite interesting is uh, Mike Dolce, who is a sports nutritionist for like MMA fighters and UFC fighters. One of the things he tells every one of his clients, take three days off, junior training camp, no training, no stress, no working out. All I want you to do is sit on the couch, and watch TV, relax, do whatever that makes you happy, no stress. And the whole reason is because you put your body into that state of relaxation, you hit your peak at a different time, and you're actually much better than like your recovery times a lot better rather than pushing yourself to the point of burnout and working with like less in your system. Um, and kind of going to the copywriting side of things, and my camera's just like switched off for a second, I'm still here. Uh, going to the copywriting side of things, one of the aspects, again, kind of revisiting is this idea of self-beating yourself up because there's a lot of copywriters we know that beat themselves up all the time. Client didn't like what they did. It wasn't so good enough. Um, then they associate a situation with who they are. So they basically personalize the situation to themselves. They internalize it. So my question to you here is how do they start disassociating? Like what are the first steps they can just start looking at to disassociate from that, in your opinion? Well, um, I mean, I'm coming at everything now through this nervous system lens. And so what I would say, I mean, part of it is learning the theory. Like one thing that's really opened things up for me is learning the theory, the, the theoretical underpinning of the practices. So there's a bunch of different practices. We can even try one. But the Ooh, theory is really important because then when you have the theory, you can then like, let's say you get an angry email from a client and you start, you're going to get stressed. But instead of then going like worrying about it, you go, oh, that's interesting. I see what's happening. Like, okay, there's a threat. The threat is the client and their email. 
And now I'm feeling some activation in response to that. Now it's not going to just totally make the, the, the feeling go away, but it's going to give you a little bit of distance and you're going to be a little bit more um, detached and this like emotionally detached from, okay, like I can see what's happening. This is normal. And then you can start to, especially when you get deeper into it, it's, it's, I think it's ultimately a safety thing where it's like we have, um, you could say it's a shame. A lot of people have shame, so toxic shame when they, they feel there's something inherently wrong with who they are. And this happens when like, you know, throughout your life, you express some authentic aspect of you dancing for joy or screaming at you, know, any, any kind of authenticity. And then someone basically says, don't be like that. They yell at you, ignore you. There's some message that you take in. It's not okay for me to be me which then I think basically leads to toxic shame because then there's a part of you that's authentically you and that's always a part of you, but you feel it's broken because you've been told or taught by whoever that there's something wrong with that part of you. And then, so this is all buried and then you go through life and then any situation, which is kind of like our systems, like a, like a locked box and any situation that sort of has the key to that box, it's going to bring up those feelings. So you get an angry email from a client and what you're really reacting to is not probably not the client and what they're saying, but what it reminds you of. And what it reminds you of is something that happened a long, long time ago. And you're probably not even going to have the memory because it might not be one memory. It might be a whole series of memories. And none, but nonetheless, that's what's coming up. And so like this is what I mean about understanding the theory. Just knowing that can go, okay, that's interesting. Um, I'm reacting. It's probably not a good time to reply right now. I need to take some time, sit down. Because this is another aspect of this work is learning to sense where your system is. Like if you were to have a... Um, well, I was going to draw something, but if we're not going to do the video, imagine like a bell curve. And so that's yeah. your activation cycle. And so it's like learning to understand, learning to detect where are you at at any point in time on that bell curve? Because if you're up here, if, you, if your activation's up here, I don't know if you can see activation's up here and the baselines and you're up here, it's like, okay, let's just step back for a bit. Let's sit down. Let's have a cup of tea. You start to go to, you go, what are my resources? So an unhealthy resource might be alcohol. So you can go have a beer. But you can actually go, well, hang on. There's other resources like a walk outside, like go play with the pet, like uh, have a cup of tea, go talk to a, a friend who's actually really calm. There's actually something called co-regulation where if we go speak to someone that we love, so, you know, someone, a family member, someone else who's actually quite calm, our system will actually regulate itself. It will actually come down because it starts linking energetically to the person that we're connecting with. So you start to, this is what I mean, right? You start to build a map and a, model, a mental model of how your system, how your nervous system works. You can then be much more strategic when things happen and then you can make better decisions basically, which then makes you a better copywriter and business person because the whole game is decision-making. Yeah. And you get real, like, again, like you just said, you, and also you feel less crappy about yourself and going back to it and how it improves every area of your life. I mean, one place I'll tell you guys is my dating life. Um, not saying that I didn't have a great dating life prior, but it's really interesting that what's changed for me over the last year and a half, well, the last even the last six months is I've kind of just got to this point where, how do I put this in a way that doesn't sound dickish? Because that, that's like right, saying Alice, and it does sound like a dick if I say that. Essentially, all it is is that I've uh, not saying that I was ever dishonest, but because I'm the full representation, representation of my honesty from the very beginning, I don't actually let my representative show up. Oh yeah, I'm this guy. I'm like, nope, this is me to a fault. I take it or leave it. I don't really care. Like if it, it's yeah. who I am, like the first three months that people will bullshit you in my, in my mental state, what I've switched it to is that first three months, I'm going to prove everything I've just said to you about who I am. You'll see it without me trying. You will just see it as who I am. And if there's an inconsistency, call me out on it because it'll only make me better. And it's crazy what happens when you go down that path. Because people just start opening up to you about everything and they just become free and happy. 
Um, and again, this is something that really kind of comes up is that when they're going through, and this is really good for response, by the way, like really good for response communication with other people, uh, especially with some that you enjoy, like spending time with or you like. Um, if they get mad at you, you don't take it personal. You can literally navigate it so well by going, hey, just letting you know that um, this, even breakups, it's like, hey, this isn't working out. I'm really sorry that we're not in a good place right now. I wish you the best, but it's not like that. You kind of have a whole conversation with them about where they're at, where you're at, what's going on, and then you walk away and essentially consciously uncouple, if you will. Um, and to give you another example of what day we were on Thursday, was it yesterday? Yesterday, or I think on Tuesday. No, it was yesterday. No, it was on Tuesday. Um, there's a company I work with where I coach. And unfortunately, like it's not a bad thing. It's a great company. I just had to step away from it just simply because it's um, it takes up too much of my time in one area. And I'm like, I'm focusing just on my own stuff because of the stuff I'm doing with Shiv and all this, like the other. I've just got my own stuff to deal with. Call the person and she, immediately she was like, every time I get an email from you, it's like a girlfriend emailing going, we need to talk. <laughs> I was like crap i didn't mean it that way i just wanted to have a chat with you about some stuff and it's all good she goes yeah i thought you were leaving I, it's like my fear was that you were leaving i was like yeah actually i am I, I am going but it's not a negative and here's why i'm going and we just had this really long conversation of course she was like when are you thinking of going because a lot of their coaches like not a lot like one of their coaches had left before and it was sudden so my response was you got i'm giving you 60 days Find someone else if you want. I will do the interviews with you to find my replacement to make sure that the guys are taken care of and yada, yada, yada. And really like laid out this plan for them. Even telling someone about what, the, what you're planning to do naturally alleviates tension and stress. It's the same thing I tell people in sales copy. The whole reason I write copy the way I do, it's to remove as much fear and anxiety from my audience as possible. So by the time they get to the buying decision, they're not buying from a place of anxiety and stress. They're buying from a place of peace, joy, and wanting. And like, they want to be part of this. This is like, hey, I've already made that decision. So it's very powerful when you look at it from that perspective. But like you said, it affects every area of your life once you start mastering it. Oh, dude. It's, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, this is why like, you know, I want to teach it to people. Because to yeah. me, most of this stuff isn't main, you know, meditation and yoga is mainstream. But th there's a lot, there's, better techniques there's better systems of working with these things to solve these problems that people are working with and yeah like i said like it it, it affects literally every single thing in your life so it's kind of like um i think some people don't realize this until they get a bit older they get yeah. to 40 50 60 and they finally realize that they're actually just repeating they're like playing out this like loop that started from who knows when it might have been the childhood might have been a bad relationship that ended and they're just playing out the same patterns. Like you mentioned, like ending relationships or even ending a client relationship. And people have these default ways of operating. And if they think they're doing it in a like willful conscious, this is what I actually mean to do way. But then eventually you get to a certain point in your life. You're like, so much of what I thought was me was just a reaction, was just a programmed reaction from the past. And it's like, I, you know, I don't want to be like that. I don't, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to live my life like that. I need to like get to the bottom of this so I can... So I can be me, so I can be who I want to be, not, not just living this kind of reactive, almost like a robot from the past. Yeah. It's so freaking true, exactly how quickly you can discern and undo things, even including, um, so I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram. I don't know if you've done, have you done your Enneagram? Oh, I got some friends who love it. I've, I think I've done it, but I, I don't know that much about it. I never got too into it. Well, we'll have a little bit of a chat after the show if you're if you're sticking around for a moment, because like there's something really I think we discussed it ever so slightly like last time, but I can't remember. 
joys of fasting. Sometimes you, my memory goes to crap when I'm fasting. It's like there's a lack of nutrients in there. Yeah. Um, but you know what we could do? Do you want to try? Do you want to try an exercise from this? Hell yes! I was hoping that we can yeah. do. Let's uh, everyone tune okay. in. We're going to do this together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tune in. That's very much what it is. So a big part of this, right, is let's say someone's anxious because that's a common thing, or even stressed. What that's yeah. really about is you don't feel safe. Right. That's fundamentally what it is. If you felt safe, you could relax. And so now you could say, hey, I'm safe. But that doesn't really work so well because you're kind of get, trying to, you know, you're going through your mind into the body. It doesn't really work. It's really the body that feels unsafe. You're feeling your anxiety and you go. So a lot of this, this whole sort of nervous system thing starts, it starts really at understanding safety. How do we create safety? How do we feel safe? And it turns out it's actually, well, it, it, it's very simple in a way, but maybe before I tell you how to do it, uh, part of the issue is that if someone's been, you know, been through, especially the early childhood, it was very unsafe due to the way the parents were, whatever the situation was, they end up with like a hundred different ways of knowing something's dangerous and only three ways of knowing that it's safe. And then later in life, they don't know what safety is, even if it was like smack them right in the face. And so part of learning how to create safety and to actually create, you know, to make yourself feel very safe is learning to see safety. So where that starts is you literally look around right now and just notice. Don't even, you don't even have to tell yourself that it's safe. Just notice, is it safe? And as you do, you can try and pay attention to just what your body does or how, you're, how does that shift your mood? Just notice if it's safe. And if you think it is safe, how do you know? What tells you that it's safe? And then, so now, so that's you seeing what's around you. And now, now just feel, feel your connection with the environment. Feel the, feel the seat if you're sitting down, feel the ground if you're standing up. Just notice, notice how that feels. Whatever you can feel. Some people might feel a lot. Some people, you might not feel anything at all. We all have different levels of um, body awareness, depending on where our systems are at. But feel, feel the ground, feel the table, just notice it. That's all, all you have to do is just note, literally just notice it. Like you're tasting food, taste the ground with your feet, taste the chair with your butt. And then the next thing, and this is a bit tricky, simple, but tricky. Now notice your breath, but see if you can notice your breath without changing it. And when you notice your breath, what does it do? Does it speed up or does it slow down or does it stay the same? And see if you can just pay attention to your breath without controlling it. Very, very, very simple. It's very, can be quite difficult to do it because once you notice it, the tendency is to start to, to take a breath. But see if, can you just watch it like a bystander? Like my breath's pretty quick. I don't know if you can hear this, just to give you an example. So it can be quite quick. There's no right answer. And mine's quite slow. Mine's actually in the middle. So it's like, weird asmr for everyone there <laughs> so now as you notice that and like there's no right answer everyone's going to be in a different place depending on what your system is doing now let's do something interesting right now go back to looking at the safety see, seeing if it's safe around you and while you see what's around you see if you can feel your feet at the same time kind of like you're weaving two threads together two pieces of string together one string is what you're seeing and the other 
is what you're feeling under the under your feet or under your butt if you're in a chair and just see if you can be aware of those two things at the same time and then next try and do your feel the ground and feel your breath now try and do those two things And then the final one we'll do, or the second last one we'll do is now just feel your breath and see what's around you. See the safety, if it is safe. Hopefully it's safe where you are. Yes, let's hope so. There would be levels though, you know, like if you're in your room at home, that's going to feel at one level of safety. If you're on the train, you're going to feel a little bit more activated. There's going to be some part of you that's still somewhat aware of what's going on around you. Um, and now the, the final one we'll do, and this is where, this, is, this to me is the, this to me is like the magic, is can you do those three things at the same time? Can you see what's around you while you feel the ground and while noticing your breath without controlling it? That one's a little bit tougher. Not yeah, it's normal if it's if it's tricky. Like what we're doing is like we're flexing the, the body's ability, like your ability to, to stay embodied, to stay in the body. Because what I notice, and you might notice, I don't know if you notice this too, but it's like, well, let me ask you, what do you notice when you do that? Okay, so when I look around the room and feel, and ask myself, like around notice the safety, it is as soon as you said that to me, I looked around my room and my entire nervous system, my shoulders dropped a little bit, my nervous system went into a relaxed state, and I just went, I remember the thought process going. Yeah, we are safe though. Like I'm safe. This is completely safe. Like look around you. This is safety. You have safety around you. And then when I was noticing with my body and my breath, my breath got deeper as I was trying to notice my breath and the room at the same time. But when I was just noticing my breath, it stayed consistent. When I tried to do two things at once, it got deeper. When I tried to do all three at once, it got a little bit weird. It sped up a little bit and then just like calmed down again. So it's like it went just above and below what my baseline was, but not yeah. too far off. I just noticed it went up a little bit and then back down a bit, and then it just keep kept going between the two. Yeah, nice. And did you notice, like, what did you notice about you know compared like if you do those three things, if you look around while you feel the ground and you or you just see see anything, feel the ground and feel your breath. What do you, how, how do you notice that, that what you feel when you're doing that in relation to your thoughts? Where are your thoughts when you do that? If they're anywhere. My shoulders of all place. You feel your thoughts are in your shoulders. Yeah. They're not in my head. They're in my shoulders. Like I can just feel everything kind of like at this level here, not up here. You mean like, like you can't, there's like an, an energy or a tension in your shoulders that's been manifesting in your thoughts. And as your shoulders drop, the thoughts stop. Yeah, like it's literally as, as my shoulders are dropping, my brain is like the thoughts are coming from here, not from up here. It's not like mental thought process; it's body thought process for me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And so this is this is uh, this is like you know basically coming from uh, well, probably a few different practices. I mean, there's a whole, whole bunch of different ways to make this more uh, basically more advanced. What we challenge, what the challenge of this is, is when people are in their head, you're in the land of concepts and ideas and what about this, what about that, should this, should that. When you do this practice, it, especially the more you do it, because it's very much a muscle. Um, and the more you do it, the more uh, it becomes 
natural and it starts becoming a natural, natural state of being, depending on where you're at right now. And when you're in that, what I notice is there's no room for negative thoughts because I'm totally in the body. I'm totally feeling my feet on the ground. I'm totally seeing what's around me. I'm not in my head at all. And so there's, there's no room for um, negative thinking, for imposter syndrome. What there is room for is activation. So if I'm nervous, I'll notice it, but I'm not going to notice it in my thoughts. I'll notice it in my stomach. I'll notice it in, you mentioned the shoulders, right? I do this. We do they, So we brace, basically. One thing we learn to do to cope with stress, to manage stress, is we brace. And so we brace our muscles, like that can actually be our muscles. It can also be our fascia. So like, you know, do you know what the fascia is? No. Okay, so one way to find your fascia, if you want to try another exercise, if you get your forearm right. and you put your, hand, put your hand on your forearm, right. just like, you know, just something like that. And so you feel, just sort of, you know, rub your fingers around like that. Like, so to, not, not too, like kind of firmly, right? So it's like your fingers are sticking to your skin so you can feel the skin moving. Right. Can you feel your skin? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, can you feel your muscle underneath the skin? Ooh, yes. Okay. And then, so, so the skin kind of... The skin kind of slips over the top, right? And then the muscle stays a little bit more in place. Still moves a bit. You notice that, yeah? Yeah. So then the question is, what, what, how does it slide? What's that thing? Like, it's, it's the skin and the muscle, but it's, there's something slippery that's allowing it to slide. What's that? That feels like oil. Like internal, like just internal lubricant between the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently so... Um, and I haven't, I haven't gone too deep on this aspect of it, but apparently that's your fascia. Huh. The fascia is, is this, I don't know, it's a line of film or oil, whatever you want to call it, some, some, some kind of substance in between the skin and the muscle that allows it to slide like that. And what's interesting is uh, we learn to, I think before we even can brace our muscles, we learn to brace our fascia. So when we're a baby, something stressful happens, our fascia braces. And so then we have these chronic bracing patterns in our life, like our shoulders are you know, in a certain way. And so you mentioned when you start to look around and see that it's safe, it's like your system, you don't have to like, you don't relax your shoulders. It's almost like by, set, by showing yourself, not telling yourself, by showing your nervous system. And I like to think about it. It's like your nervous system is almost like a separate being. And you're like, hey man, like I'm going to look around. Like I'm going to choose consciously to look around the space and see if it's safe. And in that looking, the nervous system also looks out, out through your eyes and sees, oh yeah, it is actually safe. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to let the tent, I'm going to let everything come down a little bit. Yeah, that's. You seem pretty relaxed, man. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hit that point right there. Just chilled. Yeah. Holy crap! See, this is the stuff I love. I, uh, yeah, this is why I love this podcast so much. You never know where it's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> so you can use this. You know, if you're um, if you're a copywriter, this is where it gets practical to copywriting. The next time you're trying to write some stuff, you got writer's block. Instead of like, oh, why can't I do this? And like going into your head about it, which is a typical response. Why can't I do this? I'm so bad at this. I'm, what are they going to think? Just, for, just basically fuck all that off. Forget about that. And just feel the chair. Feel the chair. See what's around you. Is it safe? You know, and you play with some of these things. And basically um, in the, you could look at this through, there's so many great books, books on this stuff, but one concept, one different, one way to look at this is traditional psychology is top down. So you're going to try and regular bring spring peace and calm to your body through the mind. So we're going through the command center down into the body, top down, top down approach. 
this nervous system approach is bottom up. So instead of going through the mind into the body, we're going to go and go straight into the body because we have control over the body. We can then look around. We're not using the mind. We're just seeing if we're using the body, turning our head, seeing what's around us, noticing our feet on the ground, not using, not, there's no thoughts required. And in that, the nervous system calms down. And then now those negative thoughts, they're not going to be as potent. There's not going to be as much power behind them because the systems calm down. So now we're changing the brain by starting with the body rather than the other way around. Huh. Yeah. So think from it. Yeah, it, it definitely is that. By the way, is this just something to add in for other people who are out there that do get anxiety and stuff like that? Two things that have really helped. Apple cider vinegar first thing in the morning. And um, so apple cider vinegar is definitely one of them. The other one is magnesium cream. Interesting. Why, yeah. why do you think, I've been doing apple cider vinegar before bed, but I've never done it in the morning. It sets your body's tone because 95% uh, of your body serotonin is actually from your gut, not your head. So what you do is you actually set the, ba you set the base temperature and the base um Oh, my friend Dove had a great word for this. I can't remember what it is, but it's either that or sauerkraut. If you have that first thing in the morning, it sets the natural pH level for your body's bio microbiome in order to function properly. So if that's functioning properly, your nervous system and your serotonin system comes from your stomach. That gets distributed a little bit better than, say, through the broken rows that you have already there. So it's really good. Apple cider vinegar is one of the few things I freaking love. That and black seed, by the way. A lot of people are sleeping on black seed. I've never, I, I mean, I've done, I don't know apple cider vinegar. I'm going to have to try that for breakfast, but yeah. I don't know anything about black seed. Right. So, uh, okay. So we're in the middle of Ramadan when we're recording this. Well, actually in the first eight days of Ramadan for me. So like, obviously, um, whenever this happens, I, I, I go into like really deep spiritual practices and I start going back and look at my religion and things like that. One of the things I'm inclined to believe and anyone, you can disbelieve if you want, but for me, I'm kind of like the authority that said this to me kind of doesn't have a point of lying about this. But the prophet, peace be upon him, actually said that the black seed will cure, uh, I think it was like, it cures all illnesses bar death. Like bar death, this thing cures all illnesses. So if you go to places like the Middle East, everywhere from Saudi Arabia to Turkey and everywhere in between, they use black seed in everything. It's actually their first mm -hmm. go-to for any kind of medicine that they have. Um, and it's really interesting because I've been like looking at it and using it at nighttime when I go to sleep or in the morning. And hair and nails are getting better teeth feel stronger body's kind of losing a little bit of like the pain that was feeling around my body and i'm like okay i'll have to look at this and you know there's there's a lot of evidence do your own research on this before you like embark on it but for me yeah that that's like a really powerful thing that very few people are actually like talking about but you know we're all explorers and we got to see what we got to do now kind of going to one of the things that you did say that some again you guys can't see this but if you have seen my office before on any live you'll notice there's a giant amount of books behind my bottom my like in my bookcase so i love reading so you mentioned there are a couple of books that you would love to recommend to people there's like so many so my curiosity is what books would you recommend but not just well, this but for like um, everything like what are what are john's top 10 books that he would recommend to people top 10 books that's a lot of books that's um, a lot of books I mean, the, the book and that has to be fiction nonfiction. i would recommend could be either yeah. um, the book well, that got me into this mm -hmm. was well not really the book that got me into this the, the, probably the best book i'd say to start with is something called waking well you're not gonna see it on the video you can see it there waking the tiger 
Okay, cool. And the healing trauma, and who's that by? Peter Levine. It's nice. easy to find. If you look up Waking the Tiger, I think it'd be the one that you find. So this is, as far as I understand, it's based on the idea that animals in the wild, tiger, wild tigers, don't get PTSD. They don't get strolled, certainly not as much as uh, tigers in captivity. And, you know, I think it's true of all mammals, right? So tigers are basically, like, set the context, right? You've got tigers in a fight for their survival every single damn day. They've got to find their own food. Uh, they've, they've, there's no medicine for them if they get sick. You know, there's no walls to protect them from other animals, other, you know, not that they have predators, but so as a bear or something like that or bad weather, they're on their own. So they should be more stressed and more out of whack and more anxious and more likely to have all those kinds of issues, but they're less likely. And... As far as I understand, that's that's true of all mammals, wild, wild mammals of you know bears, rabbits, I suppose dogs, like any kind of mammal. And the reason is that they they all mammals have a certain nervous system, including humans. And when it's functioning well, it doesn't carry stuff, it doesn't carry stress. And so the, the bad news, the sad part is humans are much more like the tiger in captivity. Our nervous systems are so messed up due to um, the the stress that we're still carrying. And it gets really trippy, man. When you've got um, They've, they've already got uh, research and studies out there saying that it's intergenerational. So yeah. this stuff gets passed on from uh, like through family lineages. So it's, it's not a small thing. People yeah. talk about like a lot of the political, not the political, but all the um, like the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like so much of the, these things are driven not by stuff that's happening right now, but it's trauma, it's charge, it's stress that's been there for 200 years and it's still not resolved. Yeah. And, and so, so anyway, that's what this book is about. Waking Ep the Tiger. Epigenetics is a clearly obvious thing that they've been like really looking at a little bit more and by the way i kind of want to bring everyone's awareness if you've ever heard the term epigenetics but can't remember where you heard it assassin's creed one the whole premise oh, of the assassin's yeah assassin's creed's entire premise is um your dna has a lot of instinctual like processes that are there just naturally it's like how does a bird know when to eat the worm and how to catch the worm it just instinctually knows just like you've instinctually picked things up from your ancestors, like certain skills that you've honed, but there's also trauma that gets passed down because that, that doesn't clear in them. Because it doesn't clear in them, it passes on to you. And if you can clear it, it doesn't pass on to the next generation. Yeah, and that's why this work to me is so exciting because I look at like most of the problems in the world, if not all of them, are just caused by this. They're caused by nervous systems that are totally out of whack. And that's why humans, there's so much hate and violence and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway... Yes. Point is, um, that book is about, yeah, basically waking your tiger, waking those instincts that all mammals have to process and release stress. And I, I mean, I love that idea. Who, who doesn't want to wake their own tiger? So that I'd probably recommend starting there. Uh, there's right. another one that I'm reading now called uh, The Body Keeps the Score, mm -hmm. which is, well, you know, it's basically love this whole idea that, you know, oh, you've read it. I've read it. One of my favorite books. There you go. Yeah, I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only a few chapters in, but um yeah, I mean, it's, it's right, you know, all this kind of stuff. Gabor Mate, he's another one to check out. Um, just looking at the bookshelf, what have I got there? I'd say Waking the Tiger is the best place to start. And then if you want to learn more about this, um, I haven't, you know, I plan on creating some, uh, some like an email course for this, but it probably won't be ready by the time this goes live. Uh, I would say the person I learned this from, who I give credit to, is a lady called Irene Lyon, I-R-E-N-E-L-Y-O-N.com. She, um, she puts out a ton of free information on YouTube. She's not for everyone. So I've recommended her to a few friends. And one friend signed up. He didn't like her stuff. So basically, she said she's a woman. Her branding's very feminine. She does things 
you know, in a certain way. And, and you know, I, I'm basically, I've purchased all of it. I've got two courses. I've purchased both of them. I'm like, I feel like I'm her biggest fan, but um, it's like, she's not going to work for her. Most of the people in her Facebook group are women. So, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's, that's understandable. Um, but I, I think that this is why I want to create something here because I think someone needs to make this more sexy for men. Yes. But um, if, if you're able to, like if you can, if she resonates, so go check her out on YouTube. If, if, if you get you get a good vibe, I would recommend trying her stuff because it's totally changed. It's where I've learned all of this. Basically most of what we've talked about here, I learned from her. I've left her like three or four different video testimonials. I just did a podcast with her a couple of weeks ago where I shared more of the story. Like I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. Uh, i got my cousin doing it now. My sister's doing it as well. It's awesome, uh, man. It's a course that's running at the moment. So I would recommend, yeah, Waking the Tiger with the best book to start. And then if you want like a course that's because Waking the Tiger is a book, it's not going to give you, it's not super practical, but it'll give you the, the idea. Scale. If you want the practical stuff, yeah, go to, go grab one of, she has a 21 day course, which you can do anytime. And then she's got a, like a three month thing that she opens once a year, which I think so not, not until February now. Yeah, that's where I'll start mastermind. if you want like a practical. Yeah. If you want to go down into, um, Smart body, smart mind. That's the one. If you want to learn like that orienting thing, that very practical aspect of, um, you know, this work or the thing about the fascia, like learning these kinds of things about how the body holds stress, learning the theory. Irene teaches all of that. She's a very good teacher. She's, you know, got an exercise, I think it's a degree in exercise science. She's not a woo woo hippie person, very grounded um, in the real world, thankfully. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Yeah. That's awesome, man. God, that's really, really cool. All right, so I'm not getting, well, I'm going to ask one last question because I really love these kinds of things. Uh, and it's a little bit left field because it doesn't, it could do with this, who knows? And that is, um, and that is, what would you recommend are your top five movies for people to just check out that you would recommend, like, guys, go watch? What would you recommend? Five movies. Um, yeah, like five movies that you just recommend as a friend. They, by the way, the reason I always ask this question, people think, oh, I'm trying to get deeper. No, I just like looking at new shit. So it's like always good for me to figure stuff out. Right. Well, the, the I think The Matrix is like my all-time favorite. I've seen yep. it so many 20 times. times or something like that. Uh, another one, another classic, Lord of the Rings. I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan when I was in school. I haven't watched it in decades, yeah. but... um, I It's a yearly thing for me at Christmas. Do the extended edition over the... I, like, I do the extended edition and Harry Potter over Christmas every year. Okay, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one is Law Abiding Citizen. Great movie. It. Yeah. Love that movie. Just the whole, you know, the whole like one man against, you know, just oh, it's a great, great. It's a great movie when you to watch when you're angry with someone and yeah. you've got some kind of uh, revenge fantasy that you may or may not ever execute on. But, you know, it's fun to, you know, vicariously live through that movie. Um, so what's that? Three? Three. Oh, I haven't watched many movies lately. I've been watching Sex Education. That's a that's Good a show. series. Great show on um, Netflix. Oh, you know what I love is Lucifer. I finished that. A month or two ago it's great I'm, I'm, i loved it it's not for everyone um, it gets a bit slow in season two or three have you yes. seen it uh, seasons one and two three is where it got slow came back for four and five but like yeah yeah I, four and five is good yeah yeah one is still you my know, favorite think, though yeah it, you know what like i don't know if you had the same same experience with it but i felt because i've been on this journey right of gradually realizing that, oh i do have emotions oh you know no yep. i no, you know just just sleeping with lots of women or, or making money is not no that's not going to make me happy oh you know no i actually do care what about what people think you know and so mm -hmm. as he was going through his journey of and i think that's what the show is really about it's not really about the devil it's about you know people in his case a man sort of realizing his humanity and waking up to his emotions and learning how to make real intimate connections with people that's what the show is really about mm -hmm. so i 
That's what they yeah, made me know, back in four and five. That's how they got me back in was yeah. just because of that. Because like season one, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, what's it called? You know the warning labels. Like I'm like walking heroin, a heroin habit, very habit forming, habit very habit forming, and will end badly for you. I did use that as a pickup line once. That I will have to admit, <laughs> it, it worked. It worked. It was a great pickup line. Uh, would have been uh, great yeah it's a bad boy it's a great show i love the therapist yeah oh she's so brilliant rachel uh yeah. davies i think her name is she's a great that actress name. yeah she's a great yeah. actress and she's done some just the lines stuff. that she comes out with you know it's just a, she just comes out with this killer like the way she analyzes people or this one line is just like oh it's uh, so, good. so good right um have you ever you've seen the hangover right yeah. yeah, she's the wife in The Hangover. She's basically the abusive wife that sleeps with, like, um, she's Ed Helms' wife in that. Oh, no way. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah she's yeah, like, yeah. She's, she beats him up and everything. It's so funny. Seeing the, the two sides the, of that her. The dent- that's the dentist woman, right? Yeah, like that's the, the dentist's dentist, wife. The dude who knocks out his teeth. Yeah. It's his wife. Okay, I'm going to look this his up after this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll oh, check right. it out. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. one, one movie that I will recommend, though, it's John Wick. Just the John Wick series. I couldn't get into that, man. I, I didn't how, like how it was cool. It just felt it was just like nonstop killing. I didn't get it. It was like this is kind of like a, like it's cool the moves and stuff, but it doesn't feel like there's anything to it other than shooting and fighting and. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. mindless movie. But the thing I love about it is it takes back to what I call <laughs> basic storytelling, which we we hadn't had for a long time. If you look at the Marvel cinemat- cinematic universe that had this huge sprawling empire for this huge payoff. And then you got John Wick, which is like the most basic movie in the world, which is, okay, someone kills your dog. What's your response that you want to have? Murder everyone. Great. Go watch this. It's just like a really good movie. But what I loved about it was uh, from a martial arts perspective and also from, you know, actually having done it for real. Keanu actually mastered most of those moves. He's like 90% of the stunts in all the movies of him. I've I've Uh, heard it was all legit, yeah. Yeah, his shooting at the gun range scares me. He is really good with guns. Like insanely, he's a marksman. Like he is genuinely a marksman. It's like, don't get on the bad side of that guy. But uh, side note on my Keanu love, and this is kind of like a random compliment I did get from my ex-girlfriend. There's a movie called Death Always Be My Maybe. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. You there? Oh no, we've lost John. I think we lost me as well. So I'm going to pause for a second. All right, we had a weird pause there for a second because uh, obviously shit went around. Have you ever had? Have you ever seen the movie Definitely Be My Baby? Always Be My Baby or something like that? Crap, I lost him again. Cool. All right, so we managed to get... As soon as it hit unrecorded, like hit record again, just goes crazy. Real quick, so uh, yeah, we're just going to end it there because I don't think this... I don't think like for some reason zoom wants me to discuss this movie so i'm like i'm just gonna stop here <laughs> but guys um go check out dropdeadcopy.com follow john mcintyre what seriously i can't find you on facebook i don't think you have a facebook account i i i mean i actually deleted all my social media a year ago i did get facebook back because uh i was trying to get into a facebook group or something but i barely use it dude i don't really like social media i find yeah, it's, it's quite a time suck yeah yeah. yeah time suck it just gets in your head you know it's it's designed to be addictive I, I just think it's quite toxic but it is an easy way to keep in touch with people so i i do have an account um but yeah don't not for uh, i don't use it for business or anything no, you know, so fast no, and stuff. no page for me to follow yeah so go 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 check out the website email me whatever yeah that's the best way to reach out 
pretty chill dude follow his Super podcast chill. and uh he's yeah. got some great products coming out like this great one on the nervous system which we now have to facilitate like he's got that coming out and i'm like just smash everyone in together get everyone in together and do a super bundle shit that'd be a great way of doing a bundle <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. But yeah guys go check john out thank you so much for being here dude i appreciate you coming in and just sharing so much i mean this is like a, a freaking killer show as is we covered so much yeah. um please rate review subscribe and share the show guys killing it i'll see you guys over the weekend take care and speak soon bye